Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast, helping everyone get some of the inside scoops. And uh, today I'm joined by one of our two brand new eldership nominees uh, from our Welland location, Rick Prince. Rick, say hi to everybody. Hey Welland. Uh, and the rest of the Southridge family. <laughs> exactly. This is this is family wide today. Um, you are not just uh, kind of newer to our Welland location, but new to many uh, of us across our uh, other two locations. And so let's just start by getting to know you a little bit better. Give us some background on yourself, your family, where you're from, how you ended up here, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so my wife Eunice and myself live in Welland. We live just uh, to the west of Niagara College. We've been here for three and a half years. I was a high school teacher. I mainly taught computer science uh, in Brampton. Um, we lived uh, in Brampton, as I say. We raised our two kids there, both adopted. Uh, my son, Dennis, uh, now lives in Niagara Falls. My daughter, uh, Nicole, and her partner, Josh, live in Toronto. Um, and we are hoping for grandkids one of these days soon. <laughs> um, as I say, I, I taught uh, for... About 35 years, uh, the last 16 of those were in Brampton, uh, some Mississauga, Caledon, uh, taught in the public system, taught in the Catholic system, taught at a Christian school. Um, so that was my teaching experience. And uh, I grew up in Cornwall in eastern Ontario. Um, my family was Dutch. My parents were immigrants, but uh, myself and my younger sister were born here after three other older siblings. Um, I remember a time when I was six or seven and my parents found faith and professed that faith through baptism. Um, and so not too many years after that, I followed their example and chose to make that decision for myself and have followed through ever since. Um, from Cornwall, I made the long leap to go to university here in St. Catharines. Uh, so I'm a Brock grad um, in biology. After I finished that, I spent a couple of years teaching in South America at a mission school. Um, did a couple more years of schooling after that, went to seminary for a year, went to U of T for teacher's college, and then embarked on my teaching career. Very cool. So even though you're kind of GTA retirees here, you did have some Niagara roots, at least at your time in Brock. We did, and that gave us a little bit of an insight into what it would be like living here, and that was part of the attraction as well. Yeah, so uh, you and your wife Eunice decided to uh, retire out of the GTA and picked Niagara, and from there decided to look for a church. Talk about that journey of how you ended up now as part of Southridge. Yeah, so we uh, we said we were going to be open-minded about uh, church and looking at different kinds of churches. We were part of a, a large church in Brampton, Bramley Baptist, um, and we we liked it. We loved it there. We were very involved for many years there. Um, when we came here, I guess, and we thought we would either live in Niagara Falls, St. Catharines, or Welland, but it happened to find the house that we wanted in Welland, so we wanted a church fairly close to home. Uh, so we, we visited a number of churches, and in today's day and age of online Church presence, it was easy to do a lot of research before we ever got here. Um, so we visited a lot of churches. Uh, many of them were smaller than what we were used to. Uh, Southridge was high on our list of possibilities, mainly because of similarity, what we were used to. Um, so then we started visiting, and we kind of said we'd take three months to do that. Uh, so came here to Glenridge a few times, went to Welland a few times, visited other churches, um, and felt a comfort level with kind of the style of church and the philosophy of church at Southridge. And uh, 
bottom line is eventually we just kind of got tired of being nomads. So then the choice came down to let's go to Glenridge or let's go to Welland. And talking to a few people, we we settled on on Welland and uh, haven't looked back yeah, since. Rest is history. Um, I mean, we didn't know each other too well before the eldership appointment process, but I'll say that that your name and and yours and Eunice's names. Uh, I would hear frequently because in the three or four years that you guys have been around, it feels like you've jumped in with both feet. (laughs) So talk a little bit about some of the ways that you're involved in the ministry these days, because I know now, having been kind of newer to the location, I mean, you guys are deeply embedded in what happens in our Welland location. Yeah, so... The last three and a half years for me has been settling into retirement as well. So, you know, I kind of thought to myself at the beginning, what am I going to do with all this time that I have? Um, so I looked for opportunities to get involved fairly upfront, and one of them was Rose City Kids. So coming from a background in education, I wanted to have the opportunity of being involved with kids and teens and continuing that, and also knowing how integral Rose City Kids was to the partnership with Southridge. So so it kind of dove in right there. So was involved in a little bit of the tutoring program there and the junior leadership program. I was kind of assigned to that program at the beginning and then over the years migrated over to the youth program. Uh, so up until last Saturday, that was something that I was continuing to do. Um, we were asked about a year and a half ago whether we would coordinate serving communion at the Welland location. So uh, we, we still do that and, and enjoy that to a large degree. And uh, my wife Eunice has been very involved with uh, with working with ladies. So she runs a ladies group on Thursday mornings and does a fair amount of mentoring and just hanging out with women and, and listening to them and, and being uh, supportive of, of them in that in that way. And I've done something similar with men, not quite to the same extent. Uh, you guys talked about your uh, life group involvement. Sounds like you've got a great group and are tracking with them uh, pretty nicely. Very much so. Yeah, we've become very good friends and brothers and sisters with uh, the people in our life group. Yeah. really, really yeah. enjoy that. Have you had any dabbling in the anchor cause in Welland, either the Harvest Kitchen, Collective Kitchen, yes. aside from Rose City Kids? Yes, yes. So uh, a year and a bit ago when our church moved into, when our location moved into our building and we had that kitchen and we were exploring ways to get involved and use that um, to maximum advantage. So Eunice and I help serve uh, the dinners on Thursday nights at, at Harvest Kitchen. Um, and I've also gotten involved in... Uh, shopping for that and we mostly just enjoy hanging out with the guests and getting to know them which is the whole point which is what it's about absolutely uh hey we're gonna do uh two weeks worth of podcasts one with yourself and one with uh andrea jago lent to expose our entire membership to you guys and your your stories and your heart uh in advance of our june 26th membership affirmation vote And so the conversation we want to dive into today is really just orienting them to some of what uh, we would have talked about and you would have talked about with the board through the eldership appointment process. Um, The first question I know that kind of gets introduced in that process has to do with what the Bible describes as aspiring to eldership, the idea that someone would actually want to play that role. Uh, Can you just talk a little bit about what would have driven you to aspire to eldership or motivate you to be willing to participate in that eldership appointment process? Sure. A couple of things I would say to that. Uh, One is that for the last couple of years that we've been around the church and around Welland, I had heard a number of times that Welland had never had an elder before. And I guess up till now, 
there hadn't been candidates to fulfill that need. So if there's a need to be met that's expressed and it's one that I feel like I'm in a position to fulfill, then I kind of ask myself the question, well, why not? Um, secondly, I would say recognition by others, I think, is important for leadership. So I had been asked a few times over the years, are you interested? Would you consider it? And I had always kind of taken that as a casual, probably at some point in time. Um, and then this time when the deadline was coming and I had been asked by Andy whether I would consider it and whether he would allow my name to go forward. So after some thought and prayer and, and recognizing that it's a process, that it's not an automatic thing. Uh, so I, I said, sure. And then the, the elders took it from there. Um, and then I also would say that of all the things I've done in churches over the years, my previous experience with eldership is probably the one I've enjoyed the most and gotten the most sense of fulfillment out of. So that was a motivator for me as well. Yeah. Um, when you think about your previous experience, especially through uh, ba- Bramley Baptist, which uh, I would have some familiarity with that church as well, and similar in a lot of ways, size, scale, those kinds of things. Um as well as the the material that the board would have provided just about some of the the dynamics of Southridge eldership, as you were kind of entering into this process, what what has been your understanding of what elders even do that you're looking forward to contributing to and helping support? Yeah, I'd like I'd like to say off the top that there's a lot about the role that I don't know. So I, you know, relatively new to Southridge and haven't been involved too closely at this level. So I so I feel like there's a there's a huge learning curve for me, and and there's a lot of even listening to Steve's podcast last week and and understanding the complexities of some of the things that you guys do. Um, but I think there's a lot of similarities to things that I've done as well. So, you know, the the kind of overarching theme of eldership and and being on a board is is kind of direct and protect so um and the word trustee to me really fits it as well so there's that whole accountability piece so there's the the fiduciary accountability that elders are involved with which is a huge one particularly in this size and scale and the finances and the law etc um so that's that's a i know a big part of the role um you know, scripture uses the word overseer for an elder. So again, being that spiritual on that on the spiritual side of things, being a spiritual overseer. Um, so I know a big part of the job is kind of listening to what people are saying and what kind of themes are going around the church. Um, so, so just being available. And I know that that involves building relationships with people. So getting to know people personally, uh, transparency, uh, just being an ear that people trust to come and, and talk to and share the things that are going well, but maybe also the concerns. Um, and then also being sensitive to the to the Lord and what he's teaching us as a church. Um, and so how I fit into the group that's already there, um, again, that's a little bit remains for me to be seen and I and I look forward to to learning about that. I know that it's uh it's a great team from what I've met and from what I've seen. Um and hopefully I'll just add my own perspective and maybe a little bit different perspective as the new guy, not only to the church but also to the region. Um and I look forward to doing and and finding. I'm sure I'll find ways in which my uniquenesses will will fit into the team. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you know obviously a, a, another big part of the the discernment process, both for you and the board in getting to a place of, of recommending you to the membership is the, the suitability of a person for the role and the kind of contributions that they could make. Um, Rick, when you think about your previous church and your previous leadership experiences, um, how do you feel 
based on how those worked, how do you feel those have prepared you to make certain contributions to eldership in this context? Yeah, so so I was an elder at my last church right up until practically the day we moved. Um, and I, I never really remember exactly how many years I was, but probably a dozen or so years I was an elder. And I, I chaired the board for quite a few years as well. It was a little bit different there in the fact that they have two boards, a uh, board of directors and a board of elders. So the elders were, and I was on both at different times. Um, the elders focus a little bit more primarily on the spiritual life of the church. The directors more on the fiduciary side. Um, so, so I have lots of experience in, in both those areas. And, uh, also involved in, in teaching in the church to some degree. Uh, so I, I taught a class that involved uh, preparation for membership and baptism okay. in the church as well. So so I feel like all of those have given me a, a lot of insight into what churches um, are like and what leadership in the church involves and some of those issues uh, over the years having to deal with tough things sometimes. Um, you know, I feel like I've, I've done a lot of that. And so hopefully can bring some of those things and some of those perspectives. Got, got a few battle scars that you, you're bringing to the table. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, live, but live to tell the tale. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, you also talked about being a, a retired school teacher. How would you feel like your, your professional life and uh, your vocational experience helps equip you to play this role of elder? Yeah, so I know that there are lots of teachers in the in the church and on the board even, and uh, you know, being a teacher is being a leader as well in many ways. And uh, I was also a department head, so provided supervision to six or seven teachers within our school. Um, and I was qualified as a principal. I never worked full time in the vice principal role, but I did have some experience with summer school and night school, and a little bit of supply work in that in that area. So, you know, I think those kinds of roles gave me a sense of working not just at the more individual one-on-one level, but looking at things more from a system-wide thing. So in a school um, and, um, again, some of the struggles that organizations go through, um, developing vision, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. In our, our governance training, we've often been taught of the, the, the two kind of aspects to serving in the Board of Elders. One is kind of the in-meeting contribution, participating in the discussion, bringing your wisdom and your your own heart for and your perspectives on God and, and, and his kingdom. Um, and then the other part is the out-of-meeting. And so often the out-of-meeting is explaining things and kind of mediating things with people that requires uh, a teaching strength, right? That's why in First Timothy, one of the requirements, kind of the preconditions of an elder is that they are able to teach. You wonder, wow, do they all have to have a teaching gift or come from a teaching background? The answer is no, but able to teach uh, is there for a reason. When you think of how much articulation and clarity and and explanation elders often provide on what the church is up to and where it's going and why. So there's the old cliche that teaching is not just being the sage on the stage, but the guide by the side as well. So I think that fits. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Hey, another major theme in the discernment process for new elders is diversity and trying to add a diversity of strengths and perspectives to the existing team and ultimately to the, to the church through what the team does. Uh, so let's start with just your sense, Rick, of what you would feel like, and, and you probably have experienced some of this through your eldership experience. What are some of your main strengths uh, in a role like this? Yeah, so I find it a little bit of a challenge to, again, discern what my diverse 
gifts might be with this group because I don't really know the group all that well yet, um, but I'm rapidly getting to know them and I look forward to doing some more. But just a couple of thoughts that came to my mind with that one. Um, you know, just long exposure walking with the Lord. And I think uh, although elders can be young people, they can be relatively new people, I think a person who has that long history of, of just walking with the Lord brings that background and that level of experience to the role. And uh, so, you know, I, I think I do have that. Um, the long experience of working on a board, as I, as I mentioned as well. So I think there are t- issues, I imagine there will be issues that come up that, you know, I've seen some of those happen before and I've had some history. Um, you know, I think that brings with it a challenge as well. So I, d- I don't want to be that guy that kind of says, we always did it that way, that's the way it should be here. So um, because I I consider myself to be open to new ideas as well. So obviously I have no illusions that this church is exactly like my old church. It's very different in many ways as well. So I really, you know, admire what Southridge does and and stands for. So I'm I'm really looking forward to kind of getting new insights into all of that as well. But that is as you're as you're trying to contribute to all of us and as a church, you know, becoming a better Southridge, uh, it will be kind of cool to have perspective from someone who for years has navigated similar kinds of issues in similar scale, which church growth experts would say that what makes churches like other churches the most isn't style, theological background, denominational affiliation. It's actually size that 200 person churches feel like 200 person churches across the spectrum and, you know, 1,000, 1,500, whatever person churches, they feel very similar. So to have some of that experience in a different context to say, hey, here's how we navigated this historically in in my world, I think will have tremendous value. And at the same time, to be open and humble and teachable to how God's moving uniquely here. That's a very cool balance that I think will be a a strength to the group. Yeah, I I was just going to add a couple of other little points. I I think I'm a fairly analytic kind of person, and so maybe that's my science background, but uh, I think I have a pretty good ability to kind of gather information from a lot of different sources, uh, think through things in a fairly logical way and explain them to whoever needs to. Uh, I think I'm a person that is trustworthy or considered to be trustworthy um, and flexible to, to new ideas. Hmm. One uh, that I certainly appreciated in listening to you share your story and just talk with the board during the eldership appointment process is uh, both yours and, and Eunice's heart for hospitality. Sounds like that's something that's a high value for you. And given the out-of-meeting responsibility of elders to be kind of the ear to the ground of leadership, uh, the exercising of hospitality for some, it, it, it's work to try to expose yourself in, in, into relationship with other people. But for you guys, you seem to really embrace that and to, to thrive in that. And so I'm really looking forward to, to seeing that flex to a greater degree. I think that'll be a tremendous strength. Can I just say one other thing about diversity as well? So we noticed a big difference. So I always think of that kind of as cultural, racial diversity, which there was a huge difference between living in Brampton and in the GTA and and here in Niagara. But I think it's changing. I think Niagara is changing as people migrate here. Um, So another perspective I think I have is just living and working and being part of a church that embraced that diversity and managed and navigated that diversity well as well. So so I, I sense, I even in the couple of years that we've been here, I, I see more diversity in Welland, which has never been a particularly diverse city, maybe less so than St. Catharines. Um, so, so I think that's something that I also bring. Yeah, to. there are examples where the, the church experience that you were a part of 
was more on the leading edge of things than we were. And so uh, in the the way that we can learn and grow from each other, that iron will sharpen iron, uh, I think, a lot. Another thing that struck me um, coming from your, your eldership experience was the, the inevitability of difficult conversations. And it's, I got the sense, you know, as you talked with the board, I was kind of listening in. Um, that wasn't something that you shied away from, but something you appreciated is ultimately the board's responsibility to enter into. And in delicate yet clear ways, that seemed to be something that you uh, formerly and could in, in our future uh, bring to the table is the ability to kind of enter into difficult conversations and help navigate them. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, I think in some ways that's the scariest part for me in in terms of being in my life right now and retired and a relatively com- <laughs> comfortable life and don't have <laughs> sleep well at night um, and walking into this role, which I know is not always like that. So, um, so yeah, I think having that history and that perspective of having been through tough times and going through those sleepless nights um, and, uh, and navigating them and maybe bringing some of that perspective to this role. Um, you know, and so even thinking about being part of Southridge and especially thinking about getting involved in, in leadership at Southridge has, has been part of that. And, you know, I come into the role with a little bit of trepidation in that regard. Um, but at the same time, I am part of a team and I've recognized, uh, you know, wise and godly leadership on that team that, uh, that I feel are, are making good decisions and wise decisions. So, so I'm, I'm prepared to step into sometimes difficult decisions and conversations with people, um, knowing that we're part of a, a team and, and we'll support one another through all that. It's uh, just so our members who are listening are, aren't wondering, like it, it, it's not because there are like super frequent or urgent fires that we need to fight these days. It, it just actually is the nature of the way the kind of organizational structure works. If you think about in Exodus 18, where Moses' father-in-law tells him how to organize the people of Israel so that everyone who's leading can kind of share some of that load and people can have their needs met and cared for and whatever. He, he says he frees up Moses in organizing these groups of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens the language is so that he can focus on the most difficult cases. And often what people may not appreciate because it's so behind the scenes is just how much the work of eldership is navigating those most difficult cases that a, a church community would have to navigate. And so when you talk about the sleepless nights, it's not because of any circumstances that we might be facing or any crises per se. Certainly there are crises. It's just the ongoing difficulties of navigating uh, individuals and people in community life. There are always difficult cases and they generally fall in the lap of a, a board of elders in a context like ours. So it's uh, it's not necessarily work for the faint of heart by definition, regardless of the circumstances where we find ourselves. Uh, final question about diversity is, and you mentioned this already earlier, Rick, uh, this is the first time that we've recommended anyone from our Welland location uh, as a member of our Welland location what value are you looking forward to seeing being gained by having some direct Welland representation on the board? Yeah, there's a couple of thoughts that came to my mind as I thought about that question. Uh, one is, first of all, I'd like to acknowledge the work that Joan and, and Reince have 
rendered over uh, I don't know how many years of uh, of being there and being available to the to the congregation just to do the kinds of things that that uh, Andrea and myself will be doing moving forward. So you know I know that was at great personal sacrifice to them and to their families, and I just want to acknowledge that. Um, I guess the other thing is that I know that Southridge includes all locations as equal. So there's never been a feeling for my part of, of a hierarchy. Welland is the smallest. Is it the newest location? It's not the newest, but, but it's, it's, the yeah, it's the smallest right now. Um, and it was a church plant. It, it was a church plant. And to me, it's quite often felt a little bit like a church plant still. To me, the fact that it will now have its own elders will make it feel a little bit yeah, less a little like... Bit more established, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it feels a little less like the hierarchy is coming down to well and from St. Catharines hmm. to, to kind of oversee, which... Yeah, the head you know, office type feel, yeah. Exactly. Um, the other thing that strikes me is that mm, communities are very different in Niagara. So St. Catharines is very different from Welland, is very different from Niagara Falls. Um, so I think the fact that we will have elders who live in Welland or close by Font Hill... Um, will give that unique community perspective. And I think Welland is changing. There was an article in the Globe yesterday. I don't know if you saw that about Welland and how well it's doing in terms of development, et cetera. So, it's all well and good, they say. It's all well and good. <laughs> um, you know, so I, th- I think having people who live in the community and in the neighborhood who are aware of those kinds of things, uh, you know, lots of new people moving into Welland with new housing, not just Welland, but Font Hill and, and Thorold and surrounding areas. Um you know, and I think having kind of boots on the ground in terms of people who are known in the church and who know lots of people in the church is a huge advantage. And, and again, previous elders have, have done that to the best of their ability, but I think people who are actually in the church will really do that better. Yeah, if you're wondering, listening in on what Rick's referring to, because we haven't had direct representation in Welland, our board has created a, a Sunday morning rotation where board members, particularly people like Joan and Reince, have uh, made a point of, on a, at least a monthly basis, uh, kind of doing the, the tour of duty, so to speak, and making sure that there's always some elder presence uh, in the, the Sunday services. And so, like you said, that that creates a certain level of contact, but without the ongoing familiarity and relationship, there's still a gap there. And so I think that there'll be both in the way that eldership can communicate its heart to the Welland community and the ear to the ground way that the Welland community's heart can be communicated to the board. I think that 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 two way relationship will be much stronger, not just with an elder in Welland, but now with two of you there uh, able to work together, I think that that'll be a tremendous, tremendous gift. And we talked about diversity, and I think the fact that there's a male and a female have been yeah, that'll selected be, for Welland is even a huge That'll That'll be very cool, advantage. too. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, another huge theme, uh, once we get into the eldership appointment process and we're having kind of interview-level uh, conversations is just to get people and prospective elders talking about the church and church life and even the the, the future of Southridge and things like that. So uh, let's just let our members get a feel for a little bit of your heart for the church, Rick. Um, start off talking about what, you, what you're loving these days about your life of faith. Yeah. Um, so I guess how I think about that quite often is comparing myself and my life to people who don't have faith. And I love the fact, and Eunice and I are together in in this, and we've talked about it, I love the fact that we get to walk with God, that we get to know God, that He loves us, 
uh, that we have his scriptures that we can use as a, as a guidebook in our lives, not just a source of peace and comfort, but as a, a guidebook. So over the years, as we've navigated our lives and raising our kids and being married and being part of church, um, just using the, the Bible as, as a guidebook, having the Holy Spirit uh, to, to guide us through all that, um, and then to realize that that's not just for here, but that's for eternity. And, uh, you know, having that hope and that expectation, I, you know, I, I find it hard to imagine what life would be like with, without, without that. Yeah. You've not just for a long time been a faith person, you've been a church person. Uh, what is it that you love about being part of a, a local church and the, the ministry of the church? So kind of at a very basic level is the sense of community. So we moved here. People said, well, do you have relatives in that? Kind of, why are you moving to Niagara? And we said, no, we really know almost no one when, when you come here. And now here we are three and a half years later, and we sometimes were the last to leave on a Sunday morning, practically. So we've developed lots of friendships, not just in the church, but also in the community and with other people as well. But just that real sense of community uh, that we've developed, and you know, we never feel lonely as seniors sometimes can. Um, always lots to do. Um, teaching, I, I guess we're going to get a little bit specific into Southridge a bit, so this is kind of a general church question. Um, just the fact that we have an opportunity to worship, uh, the fact that we're in communion with not just our own local church, but with the church worldwide, so kind of keeping up with what's going on around the church, uh, the, the church in the world. Um, and through church history as well. So we're, we're part of that worldwide communion of, yeah, you're, of church. It's a broader that, identity there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm asking these questions to someone who has journeyed a life of faith and been part of local church dynamics and even local church leadership for a lot of years. So, I mean, we joked earlier about you bringing some battle scars and living to tell about it. Uh, you know firsthand some of the pain that can be experienced through local church life. And I'm just wondering, for those of us who are listening, who have experienced some of that pain or worse, know people who, through experience some of that pain, have kind of left or given up on the church, you know, what would your take be or your plea be to people who might be tempted to give up on church, even though they care about their faith in Jesus? Yeah, I know lots of those kind of people. Um, you know, the first thing I would say is, is I'm really sorry that that has happened to you and that you've experienced that in your life. And as I look back and think of my own experience in leading churches, perhaps I've contributed in some ways, maybe intentionally, maybe likely not intentionally. Um, and I would say, you know, and this may sound trite, but, but don't give up on church. Um, give it another chance. People quite often are critical of churches and Christians because they say, well, there's hypocrisy in the church. People are hypocrites. And I think people tend to hold churches to a higher standard of behavior. So when churches misbehave and do things that are less than loving and less than holy and less than godly, you know, that's a reason for people to, to give up on churches. And I think in more recent years, we've come to realize that we can't portray ourselves as perfect, that we realize that churches are groups of people who are who are struggling in their lives to live towards the standard that God wants us to, but not perfectly all the time. And hopefully that gives people a sense that, uh, you know, they don't have to be perfect, that they can mess up, and that, uh, you know, hopefully they give the church that same, that same grace. Yeah, if you set the expectation of humanity as 
broken and struggling and figuring it out by God's grace, as opposed to some perfection, idealistic standard, uh, you're, you're a lot less hypocritical then, or a lot more admittedly hypocritical to what you're aspiring to. Well, and the other thing is churches aren't the only place where there's hypocrisy. So yeah. people get hurt by the school system. People get hurt by all kinds of organizations. Yeah. And yet it's the church that always kind of gets singled out for, for that. Yeah. Um, just in your own experiences, and this is now a broader, even Ontario perspective because of your GTA and even Cornwall background and things like that. Um, where are you currently seeing the church in Canada? And maybe more specifically, where are you seeing the church around the Niagara region these days? What are you, what's it wrestling with? What are some opportunities that you see for it? Comment on that. Oh, that's a challenging one. Um, you know, we, we hear a lot about uh, the evangelical church, particularly in the U.S., and kind of their enmeshment with politics. Um, and I think that's not helpful for the church for the most part. So I, you know, I hear people questioning whether that term evangelical is still a good word to be used. And, and I know that lots of people are kind of abandoning that. Um, so, so I think that whole engagement of the population with the church and with culture is, is a huge one. And, you know, a lot of churches are not navigating that well. I think there's a, you know, there's, there are huge polarizations in society around a lot of issues. And churches move one way or the other. Um, but a lot of that is driving people away from churches. Um, so, so one that's big in the news, even locally these days, is the abortion issue. And people are either one side or another on that. And you kind of think, so passing a law, banning abortion, being pro-life, um, you know, is there some middle ground that will help people navigate yeah. that? Which is, interesting enough, like it starts politically, but then it's so synonymously tied with the church that the church wears the brand of the polarization and division and pain associated with it. Yeah, so, you know, I wish I had the uh, the uh, the answer to those kinds of questions. I, I see those as issues, and I think that uh, those kinds of polarizations drive people, and particularly young people, away from the church. Uh, so, so I think that loss of kind of that next generation of, of younger people from the church is, is a huge problem for many churches. Um, I think Southridge hangs on to the younger generation well, and I see our church, I know the Welland Church had to go to two services because of all the kids that were in the, in the kids' programs, yeah. and I think the same, similar here. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think this church is doing well on, on that front. Uh, obviously, you've aspired to eldership here at Southridge because you see some specific potential in our community. So let's camp out there for a few minutes. Uh, what would you say you and, and maybe you and Eunice together love about Southridge these days? Yeah, there's four or five things that I could list on, on that one. Uh, the one thing that we noticed off the top was a focus on a few things. So, you know, instead of running 50 different programs like some churches do, focus on you know, worship on a Sunday morning, life groups, anchor cause, uh, compassion, and that's pretty much yeah, it. Family ministries, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so I think focus on a few things well is, is a strength of the church. Uh, creative teaching. So sometimes when I see this, the titles for the sermons coming up, I get a little nervous or, or worried. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think the sermons are always done in a way by yourself and Mike and others to make people think. So it's not just a regurgitation of the doctrines that a person can predict what's going to be said, but it's always done in a very creative way that to some degree engages with culture. 
Um, as I mentioned, the fact that the church seems to be doing quite well reaching younger generations of people, and I know that there is always room for growth there, and we're on the doorstep of a university and Niagara College, um, but lots of young families. Uh, you know, I think Welland might be a little bit of a magnet for younger families because the cost of housing is a little bit less there, so, so engaging with those, and I kind of think... I don't really know too much about some of the newer neighborhoods, but I wonder whether the, a lot of the people who are moving in from elsewhere are even aware that Southridge exists. So whether we can look at ways of engaging those. Um, and I, we love the engagement with the community in terms of the anchor cause. So the fact that the church puts its faith into practice through the shelter, through Rose City Kids, through the food programs, and through the uh, the migrant farm workers, uh, you know, that really resonates very well with us personally. Yeah, it sounded like that identity tracked with your personality and with your sense of what a life of faith was to be about. We did. So my wife has some Mennonite in her background, and it felt very true to that to that background. And it's not just that. It's about being true to your faith. But uh, we really enjoy that. Cool. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned the potential increase in young families in Welland and the awareness or maybe lack of awareness that there's even a church like Southridge around that would, that would track them. Um, are there other kinds of opportunities that you're tending to see these days that you're excited to see us imagine or maybe pursue? Well, again, this is just kind of imagining because I haven't really talked to too many people specifically about this, but I know that there are thoughts of of expanding the some of the facilities and programs that we already have. So in Welland, we have a pretty big size property, so I've heard talk of supportive housing. Um, so, and I know that's a huge need in Welland and in Niagara in general. So that's an opportunity that our church has. It occurred to me the other day too, in, in Welland particularly, and I imagine here too, there's so much skill and talent and business related to the building trades. Um, you know, so it, it would seem a natural fit to maybe get involved with something like Habitat for Humanity or other government agencies that would, would do that. Uh, you know, and I know there's talk of... Uh, of increasing services here at the shelter as well for yeah. people to kind of give them a bit better foot going out the door of the shelter as they move into other opportunities. You know, so I, so I imagine the world is limitless in, in that regard for, <laughs> for helping. And and at the same time, the news is full of people, more and more and more people who, who are homeless, who need services, who are in, who are addicted, et cetera. Um, so, so the world is limitless for yeah. those things. From a from a spiritual transformation perspective, uh, with the pulse that you have today of our Welland location and our church in general, uh, where are you excited to see God grow us and change us into Christ likeness to a greater degree? We've always been strong on the idea that people should really be developing themselves spiritually, and the church should help them along with that. So. You know, the whole Jeff Mannion series that says, here are small daily steps that you can take, and not only that, but here are some resources, here's a booklet, here's a book that you can follow. Um, you know, we would really want to encourage people to carry out those spiritual disciplines of, of Bible study and reading and uh, prayer and meeting together in life groups to do those things. You know, those um, spiritual practices that access the activity of God in your life to a greater degree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, huge opportunity. And Sunday mornings are kind of design, have lately been kind of designed around that too, where it's not just listen to a sermon, sing some songs, but it's 
follow-up practice that you can not only do now, but also carry through with you into the rest of the week. So I, you know, we're excited by those kinds of things as well. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And you know, when you think about uh, just as a church in general, or maybe even specifically in the role of eldership, uh, some of the challenges that we may be facing in the coming eras of our church. I don't think you're at sleepless nights level yet, but uh, if you think about challenges that the church or our church specifically may be facing, what comes to your mind? Um, you know, I think uh, we're in a season right now of love beyond belief and discussion about how the church is welcoming or should be more welcoming to people from the LGBT community. Um, you know, that's not going to be easy. I know that the board, from my brief discussions with them, have had lots of discussion and lots of time and lots of prayer through that, um, and we're kind of right in the middle of all that at this point in time, and, uh, you know, I hold no illusions that that will not be difficult uh, for a lot of people, um, you know, so I think the church needs to continue to to navigate that well. Yeah, coming out of our first teaching session, which happened last week, um, you know, even just the theological framework of love beyond belief, void of any specific issue, just getting your head around that organization of the priority of theology, I think is enough of a journey, let alone when you apply it to any specific issue, let alone such a polarizing issue as uh, inclusion of LGBTQ plus people. Uh, it can be very difficult, and that's obviously a, a challenge that we're facing these days. Um, anything else maybe specific to Welland or, or uh, something that you see maybe outside of Welland? that you'd see as a challenge or an opportunity? Um, you know, I, there are a lot of issues in Welland, um, Welland's population, people who come to the church. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are initially attracted to the church, um, love the services, love the music, but a lot of people come with baggage. And quite often people look to the church to help them get through that. Um, so, you know, that takes a lot of resources from staff. I know that does. Um, you know, so, so having enough resources and enough staff and enough staff time and enough support of those staff members to, to deal with some of those things. And I know there are counseling available and, and programs and things. Um, you know, I, th I think that can be a challenge regardless of the location. Yeah. Where some of the struggles are beyond what pastoral care can provide for sure right professional sure. and even medical and whatever it, it can get pretty complicated pretty fast yeah. uh rick final question before at the end of the month you cross the line you cross the threshold from membership to eldership go, go over to the dark side <laughs> exactly <laughs> um you know as a member to the members who are listening kind of on behalf of the membership what would you encourage other members to do uh, as you're preparing to shift into your role of elder here uh, at Southridge? Yeah, so, so last week I was at one of those teaching sessions and two things struck me about being there. One was, so a lot of people have come up to me since my candidacy for this position was announced and congratulations, uh, you know, a lot of pats on the back and, and handshakes and stuff. In the midst of all that, one person who's a, who's a close friend said, I'm praying for you. And, you know, that really struck me as, as unique. She was the only person who, who did say that. And I'm sure many people are praying for this process, but it's a church-wide discernment process through the month of June. And it brought back to me the memory of the fact that as an elder, people are praying for you. And even though it can be a challenging role, 
um, that there's that prayer process, um, which I look forward to and, and know that we all, we all need. So I, w- I would really encourage people to don't just take for granted that this is the candidate that's been recommended, myself or Andrea, but you know, continue to pray not just for the process, but for the elders on, a, on an ongoing basis. And then the other one was kind of the flip side of that was without really expecting to be, I was asked to join the prayer group of the elders before that meeting last week. Um, you know, and, and again, I hadn't really thought of it that much, but I guess that's a, that's a thing that they do on a regular basis. So just a, an understanding that the role is not just administrative, but it's being there as a supportive prayer um, f- for the church. And I, and I really look forward to that. And so I, I would just want to encourage the congregation members to know that, uh, you know, your elders team is there for you. They're there to listen to you, but they're also there to pray for you. And, and that's a huge thing that I look forward to. Awesome. Rick, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, members, I hope that you're encouraged by uh, Rick's journey and the the perspectives and uh, capacities and things, experiences that he's going to bring to our board table. Uh, As he said, continue to pray uh, into this discernment process that will ultimately end on uh, June 26th when we have these affirmation votes. And uh, yeah, I would just say amen to the request not just to know that elders are praying for you and for the church, but to actively engage in the prayer process for our church, for our board, for wisdom, for discernment. Ultimately, not just for our elders, but so that Christ can be the head of his church, right? The biggest the biggest challenge I find in eldership is that elders are kind of stewarding or brokering the headship of Christ. That's the toughest part of the job. And we want Jesus to be head of his church. We want God's will you know, his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so your active prayer support in that is much appreciated. On top of that, if you're from Welland or you're ever around Welland and you see Rick or Rick and Eunice, you know, make a point of saying hello and kind of pick his brain and share your heart with him. He wants to be a listening ear. And uh, we're just excited for both Rick and Andrea and what they're going to bring to our board so that we can be a, a stronger eldership team to support a stronger church for a stronger future. And uh, hope that this has been helpful for you today. Thanks again for listening in and uh, we'll see you next week as we continue finding our way. Take care, everyone.